Hello and welcome to Dr. Bad Film, a weekly bad movie podcast. I'm James, and as always, I'm joined by my two awesome co-hosts, Simon. Good morning, everybody. And Daniel. Or happy Saturday afternoon to everyone. Yeah, because we have a guest today. We have the Twitch streamer, YouTuber, podcaster, he who is Steve. Mate, welcome to the show. How are you going? Hello. I've tra- I've traveled from the past to be here on your podcast. Mm. We wish we could all go back there. Oh, well, not not back far enough. I'm, I'm still in 2021, so it's pretty shitty. If it was 2015, I'd be bragging. Yeah. <laughs> from the future, I can tell you it's not getting better. <laughs> You're just a day removed from the advancement of Hell World, so. <laughs> <laughs> You've got more time left than us. Do you still have to wear pants up there? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Of course, it's Hell World. <laughs> Saying I wear overalls every day, I probably don't need to wear pants. Well, they're built. They're they're built right in. They're built right in. Yeah, it comes with they're the kind pants. Of pants. Yeah. Do you, do you wear your overalls at home? Um, no, but I. There's been multiple times where I've wished I've had overalls. Right, right by the door, he's got a place where you know you take the shoes off so you don't track mud through the house, and then there's a hanger where the, the overalls go. Just a glass case break in case of overall emergency. Oh, uh, this sounds like a good idea. Why don't you have this? Well, I don't know. I need to steal some from work. Well, I'm not going to buy a pair of overalls, James. That'd be ridiculous. I've got lots of work. <laughs> but I'll need to smuggle them out. Oh, man. You should, get, you should make some like fashionable overalls. I don't know if those exist. 100% that Designer exists. Designer overalls. I suppose they exist. But I don't, I don't think I would wear this. The fashion industry is weird as fuck if it's yeah. anything. Oh, we can make this a thing, you know, on the next, uh, the, the, the next Met Gala. And they're like, uh, well, we see that uh, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is wearing Oshkosh Bagat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this week we went with, we went with Steve's pick. Ooh. The unreleased... God fucking awful 1994 Fantastic Four. Uh, do, you, do you like this movie, Steve? Man. Like is such an interesting question. Do I enjoy watching it? Absolutely. 100%. Is it good? No. 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 Not even a little bit. Not really. <laughs> There's things to like there, about it. Well, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it. There, there are some aspects about it that are that are surprisingly of quality, mm. um, and and certainly some enjoyable moments. But yeah, overall, it's, it's, it's got it's, heart. I'll it's, give it that. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it has a thing. It has organs. <laughs> not your heart. It definitely has approximating organs. a heart. Yeah, it's uh, not pumping any blood. But. Some weird amalgamation of tissues that moves fluids from one place to another. Whatever those fluids may be, <laughs> somehow it is alive, even though it shouldn't yeah. be. Maybe not a heart, more like an autoclave. Yeah. <laughs> the plot right. for this is pretty straightforward, isn't it? You say that, but I still had to rewind several times to figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah, I, th- I kept thinking of as missing parts because I was watching it and then it just skipped to a random different scene. And then I was like, oh, well, all right, I've obviously missed something here. Like, let me just go back. Surely there was a bridging. Nope. 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 Oh, they're just, nope. they're just there now. Oh, okay. They're here now. All right. This is happening. Didn't see that happen, but okay. <laughs> I repeatedly... Uh... I repeatedly found myself kept over and over again saying, wait, who are these guys? What are they doing? What is this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I said that for about half the cast. <laughs> yeah. Is that Jonathan Frakes? No, I think he's speaking with a fake Russian accent. That can't be. I don't know. <laughs> 
I thought it was Tim Curry for a minute. He had some strong Tim Curry energy. It, it was. It was. I think. It, I think I went from uh, Fat Dave Navarro to uh, to Tim Curry to Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. So I think I jumped the gun a little bit. Normally we go over the story of the production of the film. The story for this one is, yeah, definitely maybe the most interesting part about it. It's way more interesting than the movie. Because like what we're actually watching isn't a finished movie product. What we're watching is a, a film that is yet to actually go into post-production. Because it never actually- It the, was close. Yeah, it was very close. I mean, it's almost, it almost got there. Almost had a premiere. They should have finished today. I mean, they were out. They were out promoting the movie when it was cancelled. Oh, I did this. I didn't know they actually did promotion for it. Yeah, well, the act, the actors went out and started promoting it, but they were a lot of them were paying because they they saw this film as being like their big break into the Hollywood mainstream. So they were paying for the promotion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so they like no. went to all these comic like comic conventions and. Like sci-fi conventions with like wearing the suits, and they kept doing this. They did this for a while, oh, didn't they? It was like six months or something. Sad. And they were in talks with the producers, and they sort of saying like, "Okay, when do we when do we get headshots? Um, when are we doing this? You know, like there's got to be a whole bunch of like production shit that's coming." And the directors were getting kind of annoyed and and not really answering their questions and sort of pitter pattering around for for a while. Like I think they knew that it was never going to get made way before the actors did yeah so six months into these guys basically promoting the movie themselves they got a cease and desist from the studio saying to stop stop promoting this film it's but and which was like the nail in the coffin i guess it will not be released yeah it's been <laughs> been sold and the the new owner is going to scrap the whole thing it's and going straight it in the acid vat yeah so this movie began on a shoestring budget of a million dollars, which should have been a red flag already. Well, that's a high that's a high budget, Roger Corman. <laughs> yeah, for Roger Corman at least, definitely. But for a Marvel movie, I guess it's it's hard to contextualize it with the way we think of Marvel movies today. But even then, that seems criminally low. You think five years later, uh, Blade was getting produced, right? You know, uh, so and that wasn't that wasn't a low budget movie. They did run out of mo- m- money during the production, but uh, and you could tell at the end. But uh, it wasn't a one million dollar budget for sure. They did a lot with that money for sure. Corman's a uh, experienced in this, I guess. He's made a career out of it. You, you can definitely see where he 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 used a lot of the tricks of low budget filmmakers to to maximize that budget for sure. You know, in defense of this $1 million budget, it does look considerably better than Food Fight, which cost $65 million. (laughs) Oh, yes. You know, I might even say the CGI in this movie looks better than Food Fight. Yeah, they had full working animatronics for the thing's mouth. That That was quite cool. Dude, the thing was, the thing looked actually really good. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for this movie's costume design was pretty on point. Maybe aside from the actual Fantastic Four suits where the, the four doesn't really line up very well and kind of looks like it's painted on. But they at least get uh, the whole look of the thing and Doctor Doom somewhat accurate to how they represented in the comics at the time, which is impressive. I remember uh, watching like the first uh, 
the first scene where they introduce uh, Ben Grimm has become the thing, and they they're doing these close up dark shots of him, and his 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 lips are moving and his eyebrows are moving. It's a full animatronic face. I I remember like the the Ninja Turtles mm. costume. I was thinking a lot of the Ninja Turtle um, costumes too. Yeah, uh, just I was like, wow, that actually looks really good. Uh, the smooth motions and everything—they're not all jerky or anything. It was really good. Mm. I think they maybe they they maybe overdo it in some scenes where you kind of just see his upper lip kind of waving back and forth, which yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's like his much, upper lip's but... doing the worm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the director told them the animatronics crew that they want to portray a broken man, so that's why they had the sort of the, the quivering lip and the the sad face. You know, that was his resting was the sad face it's effective for sure thing's costume was was sick it was i think a lot of the budget like well i say a lot a good portion of the budget just went on to making that costume as good as it was Uh, yeah i have to imagine it was basically that and then the cgi sequence at the end where human torch has to stop a laser dr doom was pretty cool too that costume was good too Uh, surprisingly good i think i liked it other than the bright green the cape is good, but then the tunic is like a really neon, neon green. Yeah. It needs to be that sort of like, yeah, that dark green would look cooler. And Joseph Culp is a mean actor. He does a great at the voice of um, Dr. Doom. I just wish you could hear him because. Yeah, it's a shame. In half of his scenes, you have no idea what he's saying. Because he, they're just using the audio with him wearing a mask. So it's just. God damn it. <laughs> Because he talks really cool. He's got such a good voice. Yeah, it, yeah, it sounds like he's 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 speaking into a bowl. <laughs> and uh, and but and like, well, I guess that's what Doctor Doom would sound like if he really had that mask over. Yeah. Him. But, maybe, but maybe a little post processing would have gone a long way. Yeah, yeah, a bit of ADR or just yeah, work in post. Yeah, absolutely. I seen an interview with him about it, and he he says it's one of the worst things. Because there's parts of the movie where they've got it, him talking normally at the start of the movie, even when he's wearing the mask. And then they called him in and said, no, we're going to use the mask audio. And he went, it's much worse. Let's not. <laughs> and they said, no, we're definitely use, we're using the, the mask audio. And it annoys him to this day. <laughs> in every production where you have an actor wearing a mask, you, you always still have that actor speak on set. Right. Like mm. They're still delivering lines. The guy who's in the Darth Vader costume is still delivering lines, but it's not. Or the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not James Earl Jones and... So it sounds it sounds super goofy or super whack. Like it's so it sounds really clunky and and wrong. But then yeah, you you do have to fix that. And they just yeah, I guess they just chose not to. Yes, in Marvel movies now they <laughs> exactly. even go all out on the the voice Marvel of the villain. Marvel today's probably spending the entire budget of this movie just doing that. Oh, absolutely. I mean the the there was you know multiple multiple uh, times the budget spent just on the CGI for Thanos like. I mean, shoot, you, you're probably getting up towards tens of millions of dollars just on that one character. It's on the big purple man. Big purple ball sack man. They should have watched this movie and see what they did with the thing. Could have saved a lot of money. Right? <laughs> 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 we'll, just, we'll just make him animatronic. It's yeah. <laughs> Thanos is just a big guy in a big purple suit with servos moving his eyebrows. Wearing a 40-inch waist <laughs> pair of blue underwear. Oh, I felt so bad for the thing when, uh, towards the end of the movie, when they all get their costumes made, everyone gets these, like, 
um, full overalls, you know, sleeves and gloves and boots and everything, and then they just hand him a pair of undies. <laughs> Here you go. We got s- some blue undies for you. Here's a speedo, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just sewn together from the scraps of the other costumes. <laughs> Would have been cool if they at least had a scene or something where they hand him a full suit and he goes, no, and then just like rips the arms off and rips the torso off. It's like, I'm wearing this. Got to be able to spread those legs, need the flexibility. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Well, I guess that's the other problem with the uh, the thing in this movie, right? Is that the uh, the original actor who's playing the non thinged up character is about the same size as the thing in costume, right? So it doesn't look like the it doesn't look like the the rocks are kind of added on top of him, making him bigger. It just yeah, it, it looks uh, it just looks like he's been directly transformed. Yeah, because like his his he, like he's a buff dude. Uh, the guy who plays Ben he's Grimm, gigantic. Yeah, he's a really big guy. So it ends up not being a very impressive transformation when he does it, and when he and there is one scene where he goes back and forth. But you're like, oh, well, it's about as big I'm as sure he, he got was a little before. bit smaller like, there. Yeah, yeah. If anything, I was like, oh, maybe his waist is a bit tinier. Well, that's just him, know. you know, getting cutting, getting ready for uh, his bodybuilding competition. So, so I think the saddest part of this movie overall, when it comes to its its production and its shoestring budget, was that ultimately it ends up being kind of a bargaining chip for Marvel to eventually go on and make the more expensive. Chris Evans, Jessica Alba, Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think they probably recognized that this had potential even before, like, posts. It's goofy, it's weird, but they, they probably saw, like, well, we could do this on a million-dollar budget. Think of what we could do with 10 or 20 times the budget. And then so this kind of just gets shelved as a result, and all all those all that hard work, I guess, get, just gets kind of thrown away. I think there is also the um, the thinking that having this out and public the reason why it got canned even though it was pretty much close to complete was because it would theoretically cheapen the fantastic four brand by having this crummy looking million dollar budget uh oh, it's not a lesson they learned is it with that with, no. with the fantastic four <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah so they still haven't figured out how to uh, crack that nut yet but at least those uh, the more recent movies do certainly look better <laughs> You talk about the 2005 Fantastic Four movie, the next one that came out. That had an 87 to $100 million budget. So it was 100x, the million dollars Jesus budget Christ. To, to make that movie. Yeah, but how much of that went to getting A-list superstar Michael Chiklis, <laughs> you know, into that big orange costume? God, I forgot he was even in that movie. So this um this 1994 Fantastic Four, it was made to as a rights deal. It was made just to hold on to the rights of Fantastic Four. It's a it's a it, it's kind of a, a sad story that happens over and over again in Hollywood. They um on uh, the the Louis C.K. and I'm Louis C.K. kind of persona non grata these days, but there was a, an episode if you've ever watched the Louis Show where an agent approaches him and being like, I think you could replace Letterman on the Tonight Show. He oh, goes through all yes. this training with the David Lynch character exactly. who's really funny, and um, goes through all this training and and makes a pilot and sells it, and he doesn't get it. And but the whole point was just sh- so that they. Uh, had an option to go with so that they could talk David Letterman out of asking for a raise, <laughs> like, just to save ab- about ten million dollars. Uh, like and and but but that's is a similar story here, right? It's just just to hold on to something so that you uh, hold on to property rights so that you can make something later. It would have right? been cheaper to make this crappy movie for a million dollars than it would be to pay lawyers to litigate to try and extend their. Uh their license to the Fantastic Four. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a shame because, you know, I'll, I'll, like 
Is it a great movie? No, but obviously yeah. a lot of people worked really hard. Yeah, and had absolutely yeah. no idea any of this was going on in the background. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All they heard was Marvel movie, um, Fantastic Four. We're gonna be, we're gonna be rich. <laughs> they thought that no way that this is gonna fail. Yeah, I guess before this you had stuff like Superman and Batman, but you had this massive untapped wealth of properties in the marvel universe and so yeah probably thought it was going to be the next big big thing i mean it eventually did be the next big big thing yeah. but not not in 1994 yeah it's a story you hear a lot especially with this era it seems like maybe movie producers these days are a bit more keyed on but back then it, it's a common story where you hear this particular property that has like kind of a niche audience but it's 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 growing and there's there's fans out there there's a market available to them but they just don't give a shit (laughs) they don't bother to put the work in or try and make something that's appealing to those audiences or understand why this property in the first place appeals to those people and so they just kind of you know ah screw it we'll chuck whatever we want in there who cares i'm sure i don't know if you guys have ever heard the story that kevin smith tells um about when he was doing early rights for a superman script Ah, superman lives yes the superman lives script where he was told that uh superman was not allowed to be in costume was not allowed to fly. Oh my and god! And the third act had to have a giant spider in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that was no. Oh, that's I, wild. I was looking this up today. That producer, he just has. Well, he, that producer has like a he has a hard on for giant spiders because it in he produced Wild Wild West, which guess what? It's in got the a, third giant act has a giant spider. Robotic spider. <laughs> I want this film with Will Smith. It's going to be a cowboy film. Yeah, but you got to put a giant spider in it. And this guy was like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> uh, Mechanical that, spider. That, that's a good giant spider. I haven't thought about that movie in years. No, neither. Uh, I'm going to go watch that. It does not hold up. It was bad then. It's worse it's, now. It, 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 it has aged like fine milk. <laughs> uh, for sure. Uh, but it's got a sweet Will Smith <laughs> track at the end. One of his best. That's true. It was topping the charts here in the U.S. for like six months. <laughs> you had to hear that every day on the radio. The, the wow, wow, where's... You know, I think my brother and I actually did have the soundtrack to that movie when we were kids. <laughs> it was a bop. Absolute banger. I had the Men in Black one, but that's different. It was more popular. Oh, well, the, I mean, the Men in Black one, that, that one holds up. Men in Black is a, is a track, Brad. Yeah, <laughs> it is. That, that track belongs in the, in, the, in, the, in the Library of Congress. It's got cultural and artistic significance. All right, should we dive into this movie? Yeah, should we actually explain the plot? Let's reach our hands into the gooey plot of this movie. Uh, I'm not sure if I can explain the plot, to be quite honest. It's it's both like simplistic and convoluted as fuck at the same time. Well, it yeah. starts with Richard and Ben are at university, also with Victor. So so Victor Victor Von Doom. What a name! It's a perfect villain name. They should have seen this coming. They're at at university, and what were they? They were trying to discover um, science. Science. <laughs> something, something something to do with science and a big crystal. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure I managed to pick up exactly what they were trying to achieve. Something to do with they a were comet. built like Victor and Richard were building a contraption. Dude, that that device they had in the lab. I was like, is is that the mass spectrometer from Half Life? What is going on here? Yeah. With all the with all the pointy bits on it and stuff. <laughs> it looked like they were trying to capture lightning, but <laughs> it was it was comet lightning from space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it goes awry, and uh, the Von Doom dude is, is is shocked pretty badly. And then ten years later, 
That's pretty yeah. much how it works. So this, uh, before we move on, I, I, this this really confused the hell out of me because they're they're close friends, they're partners in in science, and then he gets his body burned to a crisp uh, during this experiment, and he's declared dead by who is supposed to be a doctor, but I guess we find out later on was not a doctor, and instead was trying to recover his body. Because they worship him like a but god why? or something. Does that ever explain that? This part I did not understand at all. Like he's just a regular guy, but for some reason it's really important that they lie to everyone and say that he's dead, but instead actually keep him alive and put him in a metal suit. And then they worship. Yeah, and then they worship him, calling his your yeah, calling him your highness. And he is their ruler, such. even though he was just some guy. Like a, it's never established at the start of the movie that he had like special powers or. I don't know, some kind of like ancient being who's always existed. I know when I'm going to personally, when I'm going looking for a new deity to worship, I go to the burn victim unit at my local hospital. <laughs> I'm just like this guy. Yes. This guy exactly. has got big god energy. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna make a matte painting for with See, it's all that skin that's that's keeping Could your you god powers at bay. Oh Once my you burn god. the flesh away, then you can <laughs> unleash your full potential. Uh, <laughs> like if you don't fat for thirty days, you can levitate, or you can just get third degree burns. Superman on no fat, no fat day ninety. Yeah, ten more like it. Sure. Oh, that's funny. Um, also, also in this opening sort of scene, you meet the two of the main characters when they're still children. The Storm family. Oh, and this scene is disgusting. If you have prior knowledge of of the Fantastic Four, uncomfortable as <laughs> Susan <laughs> Storm is like Tina from Bob's Burgers. This just horny, <laughs> awkward teenager mm-hmm. who's completely smitten um, with Reed Ro- Reed Richards at the start of this movie. Like, how old would Reed, Re- Reed Richards be then? Like. At college. Yeah, he's he's a doctorate student. He's got to be 25 to 30, so, you know, in between there. Yeah. And and she must be, what, 13, 14? 15 max, I'd say. Yeah. And she's completely smitten by him, which means that once we do the 10-year jump ahead, they are in a relationship, and it's very uncomfortable. So they, so they meet so they meet Susie and Johnny Storm at the Storm family when they're babies or children. And 10 years, and then it just skips to 10 years later, and they need- the, the Storm family for an experiment. So they show back up there. They're going to space. They're going to space. Oh, it's wild. Can you imagine the boarders who used to live with you just showing up one day to take you to space? <laughs> yeah. Some Rick and Morty crackhead shit. Like, you, you want to go to space? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Did I, did I miss a scene where it was established why the Storm family was at all relevant to Reed Richards in the slightest? Like, he seems very familiar with them, but he's not. So the, the mother, it, and there's in an establishing shot, it shows that it's a boarding house. Yeah. So I, I guess they she live says, there. students welcome. Huh. Yeah. So they were living there during university. And I guess he was just like, man, I sure do need a couple of guinea pigs for my experiment. These people are desperate. <laughs> I'll go talk to the Storm family. Yeah, they're willing to lease out um, rooms in their family home to degenerate college students. So they're in, they're in need of money. Reed's just come back 10 years later to pick up his girl. <laughs> now that she's of legal see age. Now, see how she was hitting. I was 16. I was... Yeah, I'll see you in 10 years. And he's back there to pick her up. And Do you want to go on a rocket ship? <laughs> His grooming is complete. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't want to say it, but it's, it's what it is. I mean, it, it, call it what it is. I, there's no way you can watch this movie and not see that. <laughs> well, and you, and you watch it and you're like, man, oh. there's no way this wasn't uncomfortable, even in the 90s. 
Like somebody wasn't like, this is weird. It's just a, another case of movie producers not realizing what is and isn't acceptable about Age of Consent. I've not read the comic, but this isn't how Reed and Sue start their relationship, is I, it? I haven't read them either. I wouldn't know. I, I, I hope not. <laughs> I was going to read the first issue because they do reference that in the documentary as that being like kind of the, the main touchstone that they really wanted to cover the accurate origin story. But I'm not much of a professional, so I didn't. <laughs> so, I, I can't tell you either way. <laughs> Uh, should we pause now and go read it no no No. so so carry on with the plot so they get in a rocket ship (laughs) 10 years later well kind of the the jeweler the jeweler shows up this this the mole uh, man character the mole man which they they didn't get rights for the mole man they had to make a knockoff character and put a jeweler's (laughs) visor on him see he steals this diamond we got diamonds doing superpowers again in, in the 90s movies like yeah it's like crystalline hedgehog that's integral to the, the science that they're doing <laughs> yeah he swaps it out for a fake one and takes it with him this this he just he just comes in steals the diamond swaps it out and disappears fantastic all that was there for is to set up when they go on the spaceship it's got the wrong diamond and it crashes. <laughs> what, what was that? What was? Why did they need to go to they space didn't to appear like to be conducting any experiments up there? <laughs> they were just like going. No, kind of just whizzing around, and then some science happens. Something goes wrong. The end of two thousand one, a space odyssey <laughs> happens, and then they crash land on Earth in somebody's backyard. Yeah, it's just a, a paddock somewhere. <laughs> those spacesuits, though, like they were glorious. It was like they were wearing tinfoil. It's like those 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 <laughs> outfits people buy to like because they, they to go run in because they think sweating makes them lose weight faster. The the oh well yeah. the cutting suits that like w- the uh, wrestlers wear to like cut weight before a fight. <laughs> Don't let any air in that's or out. It might be functional for. A, for well, a I guess suit. that's a desirable feature in a spacesuit. You don't want any air being let out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd say that might be the top priority for a spacesuit. Uh, sweatsuits as good as spacesuits. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, I'm I'm not sure about that, but all right. So <laughs> that's the official stance of Doctor Badfell. Well, we can go to space and find out. Apparently, it's very easy. Yeah. So the cosmic rays gave them superpowers. Now, because that's just what happened. It is incredible they managed to even survive that crash. Well, they, yeah. Like they were in space. They went even with the their superpowers and smashed into yeah. the ground, and they. They remark. <laughs> they all walked away fine. They remark on it in the film too. They do. They lampshade it. They say, "Oh, we're we're all fine." Doesn't that bother you? And then they never explain why they're fine. I mean, I guess you you say they're fine because like uh, superpowers. But their superpowers aren't that they're invincible. <laughs> no, no. So their superpowers. Reed, well, if you they, they must know what the Fantastic Four superpowers are. But Reed's body becomes all stretchy. <laughs> He's a stretchy this, boy. So the girl from before can turn invisible. Uh, Johnny can generate fire on demand, and Ben can transform into a creature with stone-like skin called the Thing. Well, I think his is like he just is the Thing. Or but thing. he can transform back if he finds true love or something? It happens for a moment, doesn't it? <laughs> it happens briefly. Yeah. You say that Reed Richards' power is, is to become stretchy, but in the first few shots of him de- de- uh, demonstrating his power, it actually is, uh, seems that his superpower is to be able to adjust the focal length of a lens. On mm. the fly? Because <laughs> that's some of that Roger Corman magic happening. Yeah. Yep. Hey, it works. Yeah. He's onto something. It he, looks all right. The kid's got it. He looks stretchy. 
There's a few, yeah. like at the end where he had his hand out the window and he was waving it. That didn't look very good. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what a way to end the film. <laughs> oh. oh, it's so good. All right. Um, so they spend a couple nights camping out in like the wilderness and they're like, oh, nobody will come to rescue us. The transponder was off. Like what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you see like a fence. Like this just seems oh, it's like a backyard farmland. for sure. <laughs> Surely they could, they could find a house somewhere. Yeah. Just walk a hundred meters in any direction, you'll probably find some civilization. Um, but yeah, the, no. Then the the guys claiming to be from the Air Force show up, and they're like, "Come with us. We gotta make sure you're quarantined and everything." And that's how they end up in, you know, Lat- Latveria, Doom's Lair. You could tell all these places were the were the same place because it it just looked like warehouse mm-hmm. room. Like all, yeah. every shot was warehouse room. Absolutely. It's not a whole lot of outdoor shots. It's all it's kind very of, clearly the same soundstage. Yeah, on a soundstage that oh, it's a science lab. It's the the evil lab. Seem to use a lot of the same set pieces, but it's a different location. I swear. That's what got me confused on where where are we going on all these places? Because it was like jumping to the jumping to the same place. Where are we going? Yeah, where made are it we? very hard to follow. <laughs> oh, and he loves that blue accent lighting. Oh yeah, just everywhere. Yeah. Well, it was hot in the eighties, so. Carry that onto the nineties. <laughs> like, oh, this this blue lighting still has some juice in it. You know, the kids aren't tired of it. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> so the jeweler comes in as a as kind of a bad character because he's he's doing his jeweler stuff because they they kidnap someone the the bl- the blind girl that's in love with Ben yeah yeah who's really creepy in love with a man she met in a hallway once <laughs> whose face she touched <laughs> well. But she's sculpting his face and like <laughs> kissing the lips of the clay. Like, what is going on? Oh no! Because he he bumps into her at, at university and she drops her statue on the ground and then he just like with two arms lifts her off the ground. In a then this is just some strange woman that he's apparently never talked to. And she understandably is like, "Let me go." Yeah. But then, then they lock eyes, and suddenly she has a change of heart. He locks eyes with the blind girl. <laughs> See, I, I didn't even realize she was blind until, like, she shows up again and Doctor Doom's there. <laughs> yeah. like, well, they looked at each other, right? Yeah. Does she just, like, like his scent or something? Is that what she's really I, into? I, I don't... I think she felt his face, and she thought he was hot. I don't know. <laughs> but he's like, you're safe with me. But they've had, like, a 30-second <laughs> interaction up so until weird, this man. point. Uh... But she loves him, and it breaks the the curse on him that turns him into a rock man. Briefly. (laughs) Until he gets sad again outside and goes back to being a rock man. (laughs) I honestly can't tell you what happens in the movie after this point. It's it's all just a big blur. (laughs) Well, Doom wants to, like, blow... Does he want to blow up the university? Is that where he's pointing that gun that he makes? Yeah. He's taking revenge on the university for the experiment that he did himself. it was his fault. Yeah, like... I'm, I was trying to think at what point had he been wronged by somebody? Like, where does his motivation come from? But it just seems like he was just a scientist at university who died in an experiment and then became yeah, evil. Yeah, he's just insane evil bad man now. I got from the start that he was sort of almost a little bit insane evil bad man. Like, he wanted to use that, that diamond for, you know, he wanted experiments. Yeah. But he, who kn- he was reckless, right? Yeah, he was like, reckless. He's trying yeah. to do this experiment, but Reed comes in and goes, oh, you're not factoring in this part in your calculation. And he's like, oh, who cares? I don't need that. And then he, he just wants to be ultimate chaos. He just wants to be doom, like, which, which sort of fits his character. So he, they, they work out that, you know, the guy from the start was actually doom. It takes him a while to figure it out. 
Yeah, it does take the mages. And that he's trying to use the diamond to destroy New York City. I think he's just trying to destroy the whole city. With a beam. Yeah, with a beam. Head of its time in some ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so this is the first time that you actually get to see the Fantastic Four put costumes on. So realizing that the Fantastic Four with their new powers are the only people that can stop Doom. They 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 put on the sweet costumes that they made. They look like they're, they're, they're handmade costumes. They finally, well, yeah, I think Sue handmade them. And she's wearing hers for like half the movie, but they don't, they refuse to put theirs on until the end. <laughs> real like pity. Oh, oh, you made these two. Oh, that's, that's okay. Yeah. Well, my wife, my wife spent a lot of time making these hoods. <laughs> oh, I guess we'll have to go with them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they look uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So they, they go to Doom's Lair and that's where you have the final, uh, battle scene between the Fantastic Four using all their powers and Doom. He also wants to like steal their powers to make him more powerful, right? Like he traps them in some kind of laser prison and then shoots them with lightning to steal their magic powers. Well he's trying to. Well the ultimate power. I mean that that crystal does a lot of work. I mean if you had all four of their powers at once you'd be pretty strong. Yeah. I don't know. The Fantastic Four don't seem that strong. Individually, but it's like a it's like Captain Planet, right? All of those kids with their rings, they're kind of useless. They can only really do one thing, but you bring them together and you summon Captain Planet and he can do, he can fuck shit up. I, I don't know. It seems like the thing's rock power combined with Mr. Fantastic's stretchy would be like kind of mutually exclusive. You, you got to pick one. You can't be super hard and super stretchy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and catch on fire and you're super stretchy. So you just melt. They just counteract and he just turns into a goo. <laughs> yeah. <and> melts. <laughs> Oh man, invisible fire would be so dangerous. <laughs> the invisible fire would be rad. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, we have we have that. It's called radiation. <laughs> yeah. It'd be super cheap to film as well. Yeah. Oh, Johnny, you're on invisible fire. Ah, you just scream. Why am I alive? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he does become the Human Torch at the end, and uh, fights off the the laser beam that was shot into the city. It looks like an FMV from a, you know, Windows 3.1 it's, video It's the game. demo that NVIDIA put out to show off their new graphics card back in, in 1998. This is 1995. It shouldn't look like this. Like, this is, you can tell it's so budget. I got big Lawnmower Man vibes from it. <laughs> yeah, Lawnmower Man. <laughs> yeah. And so they win. They win the fight. So, <laughs> Doctor Doom classically gets uh, knocked off of uh, the, a tower, right? His evil lair grabbing onto a ledge because he's been blown off the, to the side and then his hand slips and it looked like reed richards was trying to save him it was like i'll say i'll try and save you and then it, which is know. insane because like you 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 just intentionally pushed him off this ledge you were just trying and, to and kill him. Like, oh i'll save you <laughs> it's like no you don't get to be the hero here you just pushed me off this ledge dude <laughs> yeah you didn't think this through did you mr science man <laughs> yeah and and then slip his gauntlet comes off like uh you fucked up there. Oh, Overlubed the old gomblet, gauntlet. But it did, yeah, like you said, it did, it did start moving. Yeah, it comes back to life, so I guess it's he can reform himself. I'll be quite honest, I have no idea what Doctor Doom is supposed to do. What is his, what is his He's power? He's supposed to be like a magician. He's supposed to be like a wizard. <laughs> like Gandalf. Like, no shit. That was like, not clear at all. Well, not, no, not in, I don't think in the film, but in the in the comics, <laughs> he's like a warlock. Not a scientist. He's a he's a wizard. Uh, he's like a genius scientist and a warlock. So he's like the Mandarin and Iron Man wrapped into one. Okay, it's a dangerous <laughs> combination for sure. 
so he falls to his death uh, as he's down. And then they skip straight to a wedding scene where Mr. Stretchy and Invisible Lady are getting married. I like how she put on a wedding dress. So and he did not a wedding. <laughs> yeah, she put on the wedding dress, but no one else, everyone's just wearing their, at least they're wearing her Fantastic Four outfits that she made. Yeah, I guess. It's a nice gesture by the boys. Yeah, so the film ends then with Reed waving goodbye to the wedding party with a stretched out yeah, a big wavy stretcher. They put a, <laughs> coming they through put the a glove on the end of a pool noodle. <laughs> just yeah. waving it through. The guy who, who acts um, Mr. Doom, he saw that scene quite early on in the movie production. Oh, no. And he sort of went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment that he realized. That the special effects on this movie are not going to be very good. <laughs> <laughs> Time to just have fun with it, I guess. I think the, the other mistake they make in that scene too is that throughout most of the movie, when Thing is has become the Thing, they kind of modify his voice a bit, make it a bit deeper and and gruffer. There's a, there's a filter added to it. In this wedding scene, they completely forget to add that filter, so he just sounds like a normal man. I didn't notice that. <laughs> I didn't notice it too, but they mentioned it in the documentary and I had to go back and go, oh, oh shit, they do too. <laughs> it's completely forgot. You seemed like the actor was kind of bragging about it. See that? That was my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, did you have a favorite part of the film? Oh, I definitely have one. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> so in in the in the scene where they're kind of in Doctor Doom's lair. And they, 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 they have this kind of convoluted plan to escape. Like these three people come in and they knock them out and they put on these dust suits and they look like they're in a bad episode of Breaking Bad. So they get into Dr. Doom's like science lair and they decide to bust out through a wall in there. But prior to that, Dr. Doom brings in his hoodie clad goons with their they all have like machine guns. And it's just like it's like the Joker from the 1989 Batman movie. He just has a bunch of thugs and. And and he does the the he does the James Bond villain. Well, I'm not actually going to watch you die. I'm going to go make a sandwich. Yeah, he steps out of the room, yes. right? And he steps out of the room. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, the Fantastic Four beat up all the goons, and they slip out a a, a a big hole in the wall. And then he he comes back in, and he's like, "Well, now that you're all dead," and and it just it, the the whole soundtrack goes completely quiet. <laughs> And it just does a still shot of the hole in the wall, and it cuts back to to uh, to Joseph Culp, and he just goes, "Huh?" Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> which you know has got to be improv. That's got to be Joseph Joseph Culp because that you know that whoever wrote this this script, if that's what we're calling it, um, it had some like, "Oh, I'll get you, Fantastic Four line," and Joseph Culp was like, "No, I got this," and he's like. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's good. <laughs> Next scene. Was, was that the same scene? It's because it's basically like a slapstick fight scene <laughs> where you have uh, Sue, because uh, because they all have to use their abilities to fight these guys in some way. So these two guys are running headfirst at uh, at Sue, and she just goes invisible and ducks out of the way, and then they donk into each other. No, that's that's the end scene. It's in the same room, though. It's in the same set. Yeah, I think that's why in my head it was like. It was very difficult to to put everything together because, yeah, as far as I could tell, it was pretty much just the same place at all times. Those both of those scenes are very reminiscent of nineteen sixties Adam West Batman. Absolutely, yes, it definitely does feel like a, a bit of a touch. Super campy. Movie. There's some bizarre, yeah, very campy moments out of nowhere. A lot of the scenes with the um, the jeweler early on are like the 
there's one particular scene I think where he's planning his he's talking about his big master plan and all the evil he's going to do and there's like a piano playing in the background in time with what's happening in the scene and it's like they're setting up for like his big number in the Broadway musical of Fantastic Four. Were you oh, disappointed yeah. they didn't go there? Yeah, I was I was like, oh, he's going to break into song. Oh, that would have that would have made something it. we didn't talk about. The music in this the music numbers in this movie were really good. Um it was done by an actual orchestra and written out properly by two um producers it's another sad bit because those two dudes both paid the orchestra themselves yeah. wow so like the, the people who composed it were like well we'll pay for the orchestra because they again like the actors saw it as like their big break and so they paid for the orchestra that's why the soundtrack is actually like it's actually okay i remember yeah every every single track that came up i was like this sounds like this other movie soundtrack, like a lot of it was reminiscent of almost like John Williams, Star Wars music. Um, it like, yeah, it was really quality. Yeah. John Williams also did Superman as well. Oh. So it's like, inter- yeah. Interesting. You say that because I, I think they were riffing on Superman a bit there with some of the themes. It was, it was real cool. I like the music. I really enjoyed the things co- or things costume. I thought that was probably the best part for me. It was mm, definitely, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a highlight it was the shiny part of the turd, I guess. Like, yeah, it's a yeah. Someone put a lot of work into that. Somebody did, and it shows as well. I think that's that's the ultimate tragedy of this movie, right? Is that there's so many aspects of the movie that you can look at, and you can really tell that like someone put a lot of energy and a lot of heart into making you know their part of this movie really good. Absolutely. But they just didn't have the budget to make it truly great, and I think maybe the script was a bit rubbish to begin with in the first place. But people really tried, and then just nothing came from it. Yeah, I like that too. They they really like we've done movies before with way bigger budgets and you can tell that no one's given a fuck about the production, like no one's done it. Like the the there's been people that have actually failed at their job. Where this they just didn't have enough money. And if if I reckon if you give the same team way more money, they could have made something awesome. Spend a, spend a little more time in the writing room maybe. Yeah. I guess the other side of the, that coin though is that I think if this movie had come out when it was supposed to come out, it probably would have been a bit of a dud. I don't think the reception would have been great. Um, And so it wouldn't have had the legacy that it has now, this kind of cult status that it's attained. I feel like it just would have been forgotten about for the most part. See, Stan Stan Lee didn't approve of this movie. Didn't approve of Fantastic Four. Is that because he wasn't in it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently he showed up on set several times, even though he claimed not to. Claimed to have nothing to do with it. There's an interview with him, and he says there's a new uh, Fantastic Four movie coming out uh, probably very soon. Uh, I'm not expecting much from it. And from now on, I think we'll be doing all of our own movies, and this will be the last movie that we uh, that we that we franchise out. Because <laughs> I imagine this must have been coming up on when they were having discussions with Sam Raimi about his Spider-Man movies, and 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 doing something with Sony, and then yeah, the I guess we know now that behind the scenes there was probably discussions about. What ended up being the uh, Chris Evans, Jessica Alba, Fantastic Four movies. That's the thing, isn't it? We said before, they probably saw this and were like, well, we could do this with a million. How much can we do with a lot more? Or it shows that we could do a lot with a lot more. And I guess it having been sort of publicized and got some press and got buzz around it, at least demonstrated to maybe some movie studios that, oh, there is an audience for this. People do actually want to see this movie. Steve, if you were going to fix Fantastic Four, what would you do? If I was going to fix this movie or just I mean, any yeah. adaptation? You, you fix this, you fix them all, right? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, right. 
Okay, so it's it's 2021. You're called into Marvel offices. They lay it on the table. It's like, Jesus Christ, we cannot get Fantastic Four right. What do we do? Uh, oh, man, my eclectic tastes. I want, I, I want the Fantastic Four body horror movie <laughs> right where yeah they go into space or they do their their experiment or whatever happens and they get these they get these horrible bodily mutations you know the 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 the, the guy is covered in rocks so it's like the fly yeah it's slowly <laughs> rocks are emerging from his flesh and he don't doesn't know what's going on and and the, yeah, Reed Richards is is you know is uh, sit he sits down on the couch and he's just slowly melting because his bones don't have they don't have any rigidity to them anymore. They they have to like put him into a bowl, to, <laughs> you know, and it's no structure anymore. Absolutely, and and John, Johnny Storm is just screaming all every time he uses his powers. He's just you know, screaming it, it in pain. Does burn him every <laughs> single time. Um, but he, but he, you know, he gets into situations where if he doesn't use his powers, people die. Um, and uh, you know, Sue Storm is just a hot chick, so uh, that turns invisible sometimes. So she's fine. Because uh, <laughs> you get you got to have that. You know, you, you got to sell the to the producers, obviously. So. <laughs> And she's uh, and she's an adult. Oh, that sounds great. like a great movie. <laughs> oh man, I had a I, I had an idea, but I think it's I think it's much worse. I've got a good cast though. I think we could put in this Fantastic Four film. So is this your 1995 Fantastic Four film with a million dollar budget? How do you improve that? No, I'd, I'd do the same. I'd, I'd be like looking at it from the same scenario, like present day, called into Marvel offices. How do you fix it? Because, like, in in my view, like, the franchise Fantastic Four, like, in terms of, like, public opinion, it it, it can't really get much lower. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, my, like, pitch to the producers is, like, yeah, that's just artistic restraints are off the table entirely. I reckon Richard, Richard Reed, like, the dude is pretty much, like, white bread as it comes. Like, he's just mate. The man is mayonnaise. <laughs> so, let's let's get Kevin Costner... As Richard Reed, <laughs> that's not bad. I want, actually. I want that water world energy, man. <laughs> like Susan Storm, like I think we need a a trashy has been. So Tara Reed, let's, let's just get Megan Fox. Easy, bam. <laughs> uh, how can mirrors be real if our eyes aren't real? You get Jaden Smith as Johnny Storm, <laughs> <laughs> and you could have some like really weird like step sibling half brother vibes <laughs> with Jaden and Megan being related and. I mean, like, I mean, Jaden's been in films like After Earth. That was a that was a movie. It's, it certainly was. <laughs> and yeah, for Ben Grimm, who like I don't know who's better to play a man made of rock than The Rock? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he'd bring the gravitas to uh, to the role? Yeah, he doesn't really seem like sad man. It'd be tough to make a suit for him as well that was actually bigger than him. The dude is gigantic. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen The Rock in a role where, like, he's really sold being, like, sad and depressed about his current state of he being. He did angry and walking tall. I wouldn't say he did, uh, he didn't do, uh, sad so much, but he did do serious. It's like the two emotions that wrestlers can do, right? Right, yeah. Ha- uh, you know, uh, overblown happiness and, and anger. I think, it, I think he would do all right <laughs> in the role. Anyway, like, 
for the story, I think if Marvel's taught us anything, it's that if you um, smash IPs together, you can extend the longevity of your franchises. Mm. So, I mean, you don't want to taint any of your like actual good IPs with the Fantastic Four. So let's just grab another dead duck and then start smashing it together like Mike Tyson making the Doves Kiss. Like we've, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else Disney owns and they've got they've got aliens. So we can yeah, have Fantastic Four versus aliens. You can oh even wheel in Sigourney Weaver on a wheelchair. <laughs> I, I would watch that movie. I mean, it'd be a train wreck, but yeah. Do you change Meh. the name? Because everything I, uh, I'm trying to think about, like, you know, bringing the series back. There's just something inherently silly in 2021 about something being called Fantastic. It's, the, it's a very 60s name. Are you saying it's got like a problem brand and issue with the with the alliteration and everything yeah so it should be like awesome foursome or something that's terrible <laughs> you can't call it the awesome I think we foursome. Had a water slide named that here <laughs> <laughs> it does yeah i think you guys are right like it does kind of have a bit of a brand and issue i feel like if disney does end up at some point bringing fantastic four into their current universe they have to have some kind of like wink and nod at like, oh, what a goofy name that is. They should just set it in the 60s and then it would be normal and they will be talking like that all then the they, time. Then they have a Captain Marvel problem where they have to retcon a bunch of stuff to try and fit this character in. Uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> and like Captain Marvel problem, Shang-Chi problem, like everything. Like Captain's, Captain America and the Winter Soldier uh, problem. <laughs> They're just, they keep doing it. Are we approaching the point where they have to just do like a full reset on the universe? No, th- no, they've gotten to the point where they don't care anymore. Uh, and they're just like, nah, people won't. They all make a billion dollars, <laughs> but, right? But I care, Marvel. I care. Uh, make my movies right. <laughs> you just lost a customer, Marvel. <laughs> oh, no. $30. They're like, uh, oh, no, we, we, have to get, we have to get that sweet Steve money back. <laughs> <laughs> the house of cards that is Disney is about to collapse because they don't get your Disney Plus subscription plus $30. Everybody's worried about the China market, but we really need to be focusing on the Steve market. On the Steve market. You're that one domino that's going to cause the effect, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> what's known as a Keystone viewer. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give it a rating out of five? Hmm. Um. I, you know, with all the the hard work that went into some of the special effects, there there just there are elements where there's so much hard work and there's pretty decent products in it. I, I you know, I just I can't bear to give it a one. I'll ha- I'll have to give it a two. I think we've I think with context, it's definitely a two. But if you just watch the if you just came across this on YouTube, where you can watch it, <laughs> that's where I watched it. You can. That's where we I saw it. That. If, if you came yeah. across it without context, it's yeah, it is. It's it's not a great viewing experience. It's it's very unrefined, unpolished. And it has some entertaining moments, but yeah, there's there's not much going for it. I don't think it crosses the line from a bad film into so bad it's good. Mm, I have to disagree with you there, man. I think grab a few beers with your mates and uh, and just just get ready to laugh, and you can have a really good time riffing on this movie. I I, I did. I know I did. I think I would have enjoyed it more if the quality of the rip that is on YouTube was slightly higher. Like it's some of the the scenes. It, watching it, it's very muddy. It's really hard to tell what's going on. The dialogue doesn't come through very clear, so it was really hard to follow what was happening. Um, if if maybe the 
the version we have out in the world was slightly higher quality than I might find it more enjoyable. But as it is, it's difficult, I think, to watch. Yeah, you're watching a VHS to DVD rip, essentially. Yeah, it's basically, it's VHS quality. Yeah, I think it's even worse. I think you're watching, like, someone recording it on VHS. <laughs> like, they have a camera pointed at a CRT TV. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what we're saying is we, like, I think if this movie was finished, it would be a really good, bad movie, even because it would be, you know, you'd be at a 95 quality actually viewing it on the screen. And you'd be able to hear it properly. But the writing and the acting and everything, it still would have been a million dollar budget movie. I just think it would have been, they should have just finished it and released a finished copy and you'd have a, a pretty good, so bad it's good movie. Yeah. There is fun to be had in its current state though. And I think what what for me always tends to separate just a bad movie from a so bad it's good movie or at least an enjoyable watch is is the heart, right? Birdemic 1 is a mess, but there's heart in it. Someone's trying to make something great out of it. It's a disaster. But it's there. And then Birdemic 2, now they're in on the joke and it just doesn't land. So at least with this movie, you can really tell people are putting work into it and they want to make something good, even though the final product is not up to expectations, but they're trying and you can really respect that and you can see it come through in the movie. So I don't know, I'll probably give it a two, I think. Maybe a generous three. Yeah, generous three, twos. Twos all round, I reckon. Do you guys have a palate cleanser for this film? Well, you do what I did and just watch that documentary, which is also on YouTube. Or, or you could stick around in the 90s realm of superhero movies and, and where they really were around that time. You go watch Batman Returns. Oh, that's the one with Catwoman and yeah, Penguin, you, isn't you it? Actually, yeah, it's the Tim Burton one with Penguin and Catwoman. You you might actually get whiplash from, from watching that. <laughs> that's the one with that's Fal Kilmer as Batman in that one, right? Not Michael Keaton? No, it's uh it's uh Michael Keaton. That's that was his second yeah. No, I, did I say Batman Returns? I'm sorry. Um What's the second one called? Is it Batman Returns? I think it is Batman Returns. I think it's Batman oh, it Batman is. Returns. Yeah, because then it's Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin. Batman Forever is uh, is Val Kilmer. Gets yeah. so muddy when they keep recasting these mm-hmm. roles. Why can't they just put the numbers on them? The numbers make it simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did watch a Marvel movie after watching this movie, only because because it was on Netflix. But I watched um I watched Venom and I thought it was cool ass. <laughs> the first one, not the yeah. new, the newest one. Not the new one. I knew there's a new one coming out, and I was like, I never seen the first one, so I might as well watch it. It was it was a little bit dumb, but I I thought it was. I thought it was pretty cool. Like in comparison to this, I was like, "All right, let's just watch another movie that's uh, like a superhero type movie. Let's watch another Marvel movie." And it was the first one that I seen. It's the gritty and- body horror movie that you were after. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, and and it was cool as yeah, yeah. I I, I, I was looking for a like I don't know, just kind of a campy, janky. Uh, superhero film. So I chucked on Spider Man Three. Sam Raimi, <laughs> the Sam Raimi masterpiece. Do you think it holds up better with time? Because it was pretty rubbish when it came. Out. Yeah, I think it does. It's got an endearing quality, and like, like that, like that kind of campiness is. It's all right. It's, I mean, it's crammed. It's it's a it's a massive mess, but it's still kind of fun to watch, even though it's yeah, objectively a bad film. Well, and you know, I mean, to to Sam Raimi's credit, a lot of that was, uh, pro- a lot of that was producer interference. Uh, Ari Arad. He's like, yeah, I need I need Venom in here so that we can do 
Venom toys because we need right because they really wanted to throw the Venom character in at the last Mm. minute right yeah Sam Raimi did not want Venom in there at all it seems like an afterthought even without like knowing that all right all right sweet well I think that I think that's us I think that's pretty much we've been yeah well we've been Dr. Bad Film Steve it has been great having you on absolutely thank you for having me on on. no worries no worries whereabouts can people find you Oh, you can find me all over. You can find me on uh, on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook uh, at He Who Is Steve. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch on He Who Is Steve. Uh, I, I don't I don't do a lot of streaming anymore. I've been focusing on cranking out those YouTube videos. I've been doing two a week for like two months at this point. Mm. Uh, which is well, in ad- yeah, in addition to working sixty hours a week, it's a uh, it's a lot. That's so, a grind, man. But yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, you know, I sleep sometimes, mm. but uh, yeah, I make uh, I make parody videos about Marvel movies and, and superhero Dang. movies, nice. uh, which I think are pretty funny. I have a laugh making them. So go on, go on, go on YouTube. He was Steve and, and give those a watch. I think you'll like it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if any of you guys are interested in finding that, we'll have a link down in the description. All right. Cheers, guys. Awesome. Well. Thanks for listening again, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. See ya.